You're listening to the Zinger Nation Power Hour, where we give you the rundown on the hottest trades and stock ideas. For the best experience and most up-to-date information, tune in live on the Benzinga YouTube channel weekdays at noon. Thanks, and enjoy the show. What's coming up on Power Hour? What are we All got right. before you so, roll that so, intro? Yeah, so 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 Power Hour, I mean, we're, we, we got some, some stocks to talk about today. So, so YVR, right? We interviewed the CEO uh, earlier this week. The stock got halted on a circuit breaker mid-interview. Um, so, so, and then we had our biotech conference. So, so I didn't get to digest that and, and share any opinions. So, so, so I've got some thoughts there. Um, we, we did examples on, on, I believe Monday where, where we, we sold covered calls against Visa, uh, uh, or we, we did covered calls against Visa. So we sold calls against our, our stock position. We sold puts against Palantir. So we're going to track these, uh, positions throughout time. So everybody can learn and, and figure out, you know, how do they move as, as the stock interacts, um, NFT idea sheet. We've got 50 NFT ideas uh, pulled together from Zinger Nation. Uh, Alibaba getting fucking hammered. So let's let's talk about that one a little bit. Uh, GME chat challenge. Uh, guessing the price of GameStop. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to try to do all that in the first 30 minutes. That sounds like, like a lot. Plus, you got minutes. those interviews too, Luke. What, what interviews? We got, we yeah, got so, Smile so, Direct Club. Yeah, so we have, so we have Smile Direct Club one at one o'clock, uh, one thirty Wise Key, a su- super hot one, uh, and then twelve thirty favorite of the chat Chanlo is going to be joining us ta- talking some options trading. Awesome, yeah, awesome. guys, l- l- listen to that one. I- I'm going to have him do his backstory again, but but he was homeless for a period of time, and then he became an NYPD officer. Uh, and they, I mean, it's a it's a cool motivational story. So so we'll we'll hear about that from him again too. Awesome. All right, guys, don't go anywhere. Power hour. Let's kill it, Luke. Let's get ready to rumble! Information jam-packed show today. Peloton of 5%. What's up, Discipline Investor? We got Benzinga CEO Jason Rasnick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley, that is the CEO of Aperna. Best trade idea resource out there. It's a nice song, you know, gets me bouncing a little bit. But what is up, everybody? Power hour time. This is the trade idea segment. We are going for 120 minutes on the power hour because we want to bring the trade ideas. Uh, you know, ideas are going to come from myself, they're going to come from Jason, who's going to hop on with me in a little bit, they're going to come from our guests, but most importantly, they are going to come from all of you out there in Zinger Nation. But before we start asking for ideas, let's get the chat warmed up. Let's get going. Jack Dorsey's beard. See a lot of comments in the chat throughout the, the past couple of days about Jack Dorsey's beard. If you guys are fans of the beard and say, let it flow, hit the one in the chat. Uh, if you think the beard needs a nice little trim at this point, clean it up a little bit. Let's get the two. You know, let, 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 let's get this crowdsourcing uh, going for 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 at Jack. Um so, so, so that's the deal, guys. Uh, all right. Uh, up today, I, I sort of gave the preview. Uh, where should we start? Let's start with let's start with Baba. That, that I think that I think that's sort of sort of an easy one. Um, all right. So, so we're gonna start with Alibaba. And guys, if if you have stocks that you want to talk about in the chat, drop them in. Already on my list: Visa, Palantir, Alibaba, GME, YVR uh voyager digital so 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 that's already on my list um all right alibaba chart coming up on the screen 
uh, and and Alibaba can we the, the same pattern is pretty much showing on on all of these big Chinese stocks, right? All the all the big Chinese tech stocks. Uh, you know, the smaller ones will, will trade a little bit differently, but all the big ones. Uh, he, he, here's a one-year chart of Alibaba, right? Uh, hammered a, a decent bit. Right, they, they've given up gains back until August. Right, that that's and 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 keep in mind, right, as you're looking at this chart, you know, you might be thinking, hey, it's it's not horrible, right? They saw some some price appreciation throughout the course of a year. Uh, S and P's at all time highs, right? That that that's what we're up against in in this Baba chart. Um, the the news that that happened this week, these past couple of days, I'm gonna zoom us into a five day view here, uh, so, so you can see right two two forty down to as low as is two eighteen. It's a decent move, right? Almost ten percent right there. Bounce back a little bit off of there, uh, but but basically, if you guys recall, Trump proposed uh, uh, basically stricter regulatory requirements for for Chinese stocks that are listed on U.S. exchanges. They have to provide more information, that sort of thing. Uh, that the SEC adopted those measures and will begin that crackdown process. Do, do I think that Alibaba is at risk, um, you know, of being delisted? No, I don't, I don't think that's realistic for a company like Alibaba. They have too much to lose. Uh, but but that hit the sector as a whole. Um, so 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 there there's the deal there with with Alibaba. Um, personally, not a huge fan of this stock. And I'm gonna throw this one out to Zinger Nation too. If you guys like Alibaba, there, there, there's no you know the third party observers. You're jumping into this thing. You either like it or you don't. If you like the stock, right here, two twenty four. Uh, smash the one. If not, hit the two. Let, let's see where everybody's at with this name. I personally don't love it. Um, I, I'm starting to get tempted just because it, it sold off so much. Uh, but but there's just so much headline risk in this stock, and it doesn't keep happening, right? First, for the, I'll just go through off the top of my head, and I'm not an expert in Alibaba, but off the top of my head, right? Um, yeah, see, look at already Baba wasn't on that list. Yeah, Solar and Up, thanks for, for shouting that out. But but all right, uh, first, you've got the Ant Financial. They, they pissed off Chinese regulators. Ant Financial uh, IPO postponed, um, canceled, whatever you want to call it. Two, Jack Ma goes missing. Three, Ant Financial CEO resigns. These are all things that have happened in the past couple of months. Um, and and uh, obviously, it's rocked the stock. Um, it, it's starting to get, to get somewhat cheap with, with where it's at. It's absolutely not a cheap stock, right. But, but it's not crazily expensive. Um, you know, so, so I am starting to get a little bit tempted. Uh, but again, there's a lot of that headline risk. I want to see some of that shake out. I, I, I want to see the stock catch a bid and, and, and show, show some positive momentum upward. Um, and, and let's see, chat is pretty mixed. We, we, we have a decent number of ones and a decent number of twos on this one. I, I like that when, when the chat is mixed there. So, so all right, there, there's our Alibaba. So, somebody else mentioned JD.com. Let, let, let's pull that one up. JD, uh, another big Chinese tech stock. Yeah, you, you, you can see. So, so, so similar looking chart. A lot of these big Chinese tech stocks, the, the, the charts all look similar. Um, you know, so the, there's your deal there. You got that SEC crackdown coming. Uh, could, could it rattle it if, if some of these stocks actually are going to get delisted? Yes, it probably could a little bit. A lot of it's already probably baked in, um, but 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 that's our deal there. Um, let, let, let's let's go to Voyager Digital a little bit for a second. So so thank God we didn't have the show for the past two days. If you if you were hanging out on the channel, you knew that we were hosting our biotech conference over the course of two days. Uh, you know we. we we, we had over 100 companies, 100 publicly traded companies, all in the biotech space. 
you know, present themselves, say, hey, here's why we make a compelling investment. Here's what's interesting about us. Here's what we're trying to to address. Here's how far along we are, et cetera. Um, so, so if you guys missed out, you, you missed out. It was a bummer. I, I got to host a couple of the panels. I, I did a Nash one that, that's for liver disease. I did an oncology one as well. Um, some some very cool approaches being taken. Uh, you know, you know, you you've got uh, AI being worked into these treatments. I mean, a, a lot of very cool stuff happening in the space. Um, but but I said, thank God, VYGVF. We didn't have this show because I was sweating a little bit, right? If I lifted my arms up, I would have been sweating these days. Uh, Voyager Digital, but biggest stock holding that I have, right? Here, here, here's the live portfolio, right? The the actual interactive brokers account I show every single day. Um, got got hammed, right? It 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 got clobbered down. Here's a five day view of the stock. You see, it went from from 26 to 17, uh, and is now rebounded back up to to 24. So, so, so I want to use this uh, as a little bit of a lesson on on DD and and what I do in these situations, right? I mean, this, this is my biggest stock holding. And so, so when, when the biggest position that I have uh, outside of, of ETFs, uh, you know, get, gets creamed from 26 bucks to 17, I mean, that that's a lot of money, right? We're, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars change in, in value right there. Doesn't feel good. Okay. So, 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 so I, I'm going to be doing some, some, some d- deep dive on this this weekend. I'm going to be doing some more due diligence on it. Um, and I want to talk about what that process is going to look like a little bit. So, so if if you guys have seen before, and, and I'll while I'm talking, I'm going to see if I can find the links. Uh, Voyager Digital. Adobe. All right, I'll, I'll see. I'll see if I can find find the links on it. Um, but but basically, uh, when 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 I'm doing when I'm digging into this stock in particular. Right, I, I look at what 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 the big revenue driver is, and, and that's the trades per day, right? And and so so when I'm trying to figure out, hey, is this stock valued fairly? Is this stock too expensive, uh, etc.? Et um, it, it it's the trades per day here. I have it up. It's the trades per day that I'm trying to estimate, right? Um, and and there there there's a handful of, full of things that 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 we we do when we do this. And and again, I'm walking through. If you're just joining, I'm walking through a little bit of the due diligence process that that I do on the stock, and I'm going to be going through this weekend. We get a lot of people saying, "How do you do your due diligence?" Well, well I'm going to talk through the thought process, and then on Twitter, I'll I'll, I'll publish that out probably tomorrow. Um, but but basically, okay, Tra- trades per day. That, that, that's their biggest revenue line. They also make a significant amount of money from interest, but we get much more data from the company on the trades per day than we do on, on the interest in the lending business. So, so I use that as a proxy for revenue. And, and basically, the, the, the first step that I'm going to do is I'm going to theorize uh, or, or try to come to an estimate as to what their March trades per day are going to be, right? We, we, we have definitive data from the company uh, that that their January and February trades per day were were thirty thousand and seventy thousand respectively, and I'm gonna just pat my own back for a second. Our estimate we we put this estimate out on the show the week before this data came out. Our estimate was sixty nine thousand trades per day on average, pretty freaking close. Okay, so 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 basically I'm gonna be backing into to what I think that that their average trades per day are. That uh, uh, data that that we're gonna be using for that right it, one uh, the the price the price of Bitcoin. Right, we we now have trade data for for enough months that we can draw correlations between trading activity and and the, and the ups and downs of of bitcoins. Um, the the 
uh, number number two that 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 we want to dig into uh, account openings. Right, we 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 have account openings data for the past several months. We have not gotten any sort of data yet out of March, but we know what the cumulative number of accounts are now. Uh, and in their March investor deck, they showed what what their turnover per account is, and the average has gone up to one to one to one and a half times uh, of account asset turnover uh, in March. Right, that, that that's up from February. So so basically, we're we're going to use those two pieces of information to back into their trades per day. That that's going to be our first step. Once we have their trades per day, we can take the average revenue that they make per trade. The, the latest data that we have is still in February. I don't have any reason to think why that would change. And that comes out to $10.20 per trade, like, 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 like we see here. Okay. So, so we're basically going to say, we, we know what revenue is in January. We know what revenue is in February. Uh, and then we're going to make the estimate as, as to what revenue is going to be in March. We're, we're then going to, to take the sum of those three numbers, all that Q1 revenue data, and we're going to compare it to, to the analyst estimates. If the number that we're projecting is at least 20% higher than than the current consensus estimate by the analysts, you know, even though I'm getting volatility in the stock, I'm fine with that. I'm going to hang out in it because it, it we're either going to get estimates revised upward, which will put upward pressure on the the stock price, uh, or we'll get a beat. And when the stock beats, it's 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 it'll pop, right? That that's that's what happens typically when companies beat, especially uh, on on the revenue side of things. Uh, the the next piece that we're gonna do is is we're gonna look at our multiples. Okay, we're gonna say okay, uh, and see. Let's see if I have a, an example from when we did this about a month ago. Um, so here's our the estimates. All right. Uh, so 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 here here's the multiples that we're gonna look at, right? So, 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 so let, we're going to say, okay, let's say we, we come up to an estimate of that. They're going to do $50 million of revenue in this quarter. Yeah, it's a $200 million a year run rate. The market cap in, in this example here was 1.8 billion. When we did this, that, that's nine times price to sales. You know, is, is that a multiple that we're comfortable paying? Let, let's look at, let's look at peers, but Let, let's, let's look, look at non-peers. Let's look at the S and P 500, right? If, if this number is not crazy compared to the S and P 500, which, which it is, but, it, but if it's not for a small growth stock like this, Make make me even more convicted to 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 dive into it. Uh, we're we're gonna look at Coinbase, right? Coinbase is the best comp that they're gonna have. We're gonna have the Coinbase IPO rolling out. Where where, where is the 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 Coinbase rumored price to sales ratio going to be, right? If it's four five x times what this is, what what Voyagers is, which when we last did this a, a few weeks ago it was, uh, that that's another reason for for me to stay bullish in it and not trim the position. So so again, I I hope that's helpful as as like a a, a little bit of uh, you know, you know, a, a quick lesson on, on how I do some of my due diligence. I, I lay it out here with all the math and everything. So, so you guys can back into it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll post this, I lost it uh, where, wherever it went. I'll, I'll post this, this tweet here in the chat. So, so you guys can check it out. Um, and again, what, what, what the process for me is going to look like, uh, is, is that we are going to, uh, try to estimate revenue. And then we're going to look at that revenue estimate. Uh, I don't know if we're going to find this again. It might be just be gone forever, but but we're we're gonna try to estimate revenue. We're gonna look at look look at our revenue estimate. How does it compare to the analysts? Do we think that there's upside? Um, uh, and, and and go from there with it. Okay. So 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 when I'm doing a due diligence process, uh, you know that that's one of the ways I'll go about it. It, it doesn't always look like that, right? Because it depends what we're valuing the company for, uh, and and, and that sort of thing. Um, but 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 there there's the deal there. Whew. Any questions? Drop them in the chat. I, I wasn't really reading. Uh, I, I did get get. We do have a good comment from from Internet Enforcers. 
Luke's opening segment is like being on a horrible Tinder date. You just want to get past the first 10 minutes until the drinks are served and smoother sailing. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know how to open it, okay? It's, you know, I don't have a sidekick, right? If I had a sidekick on the show, right, you know, you make some small banter, you get going, you get worked up, and then, you know, you, it catches, okay? I've just got to get used to getting it catching myself. And, you know, right now it takes me the first 10 minutes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll work that number down. We'll aim for eight next week and, and keep going from there. Um, all right, let, let's, let's hop over to, let, 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 let's do GameStop. All right, ticker GME GameStop. What a move. Okay. For anybody who doesn't know, we need to bring Rod Alsman back on the show. We'll, 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 we'll get Rod on next week. Um, but 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 check check out uh, and somebody saying DM the the Voyager Digital CEO. I psh, pass DMs, dude. I'm in the texts. Um, but but uh, all right, GameStop earnings this week. Stock gets clobbered. Earnings call and numbers not great. The call sucked, in my opinion. I'm just gonna say it out there. That does not mean that I don't like the story or the stock or anything along those lines. The call itself sucked. They didn't do a Q and A. They didn't acknowledge any craziness. They didn't come charging full steam ahead. You know that we had some of it, but 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 not enough that that we already wanted to see. Um, you know, stock ripped and roared up fifty three percent yesterday from from the regular hour session. Um, you know, and and now now we're we're just sort of sort of hanging out in the middle. But but the reason why I'm bringing GameStop up is because not only do I need a chance to stop talking, regain my voice a little bit. But it is time. Yes, I see in the chat. Tony's throwing it out there. It is time for our chat challenge to crown the winner of the week. Zinger Nation is going head to head to head to head to head every single week. What is the best performing stock of the week? All right, guys. So, so every week, if, if you're new to the show, every single week, uh, we 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 are are asking what what we call our chat challenge. Um, it's where Zinger Nation, everybody out there in the chat, we open up a Google Doc to the masses and we get a little bit of madness in there. Um, but but basically, we, we we throw a question out to everybody, um, and, and the we, you know we're either picking the best stock of the week, the worst stock of the week, or we do something fun and sexy, right? Th- this week, the question that we asked is, what is the price of GameStop going to be at this time on Friday? It is now at this time on Friday. Right, 12:30 Eastern. Uh, it's been five days. We asked it before earnings. We got a wide array of answers. Uh, let, let, let me pull pull the sheet here onto the screen. There it is, and I'll throw you guys some zooms. All right, somebody saying please outlaw GME this week. All right, well we'll see. All right, so 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 check this out. All right, we we had the max price, so the, the highest somebody guessed, three sixty nine point sixty nine. The lowest somebody guessed, $48. Average 199, median 186. All right. So, 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 so the, the crew as a whole, let's get our last price. Our last price was 189.27. That's where what's what we're putting. Okay. 189.27. Uh look how freaking close this is. Let's do the quick math. 189.27. Oops. Uh <laughs> That minus that. Ryan Cohen. That. Is tweeted? No. All right. The the average, Jason, check this out. 
I hear you. I don't see you, but I hear you. Uh, we, the chat challenge this week was asking, what is the, the price of GameStop going to be at the end of the week? And, and Zinger Nation is evolving. Okay. Average price that, that was guessed 199. The stock's 189 right now, 5% off. Median price, which median always, almost always is, is, is a better number to use than an average. We can talk about that later at some point. 186 versus 189, 1.76% off, less than 2% away. Everybody, I know that, that that we're all by ourselves. We're we're at home. It's weird to clap by yourself. You know, you 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 know, you might not feel comfortable just sitting in your room and Luke, clapping Luke. yourself. But give yourselves a round of applause. Luke, so yes, I sir. don't know. I don't know how anyone's here right now. I don't get it because I've tried to search for stock market live Benzinga. Look live things. Nope, can't find Benzinga anywhere or live anywhere, anywhere. Like, like it is, I don't know how people are even here. I don't even know how I'm here. I don't know how I finally found you, Luke. I mean, I literally like searching like high and low and, uh, something's going on. I, I don't know. Like, how do I find this? I have to go to the Benzinga channel, Luke. Then once I go to the Benzinga channel, then I click it, Luke. Okay. And then I see live, but this live thing is nowhere to be found anywhere. That's problematic. Yeah. I want more people in our chat challenge. Yeah, they're not going to be because there's something that we're doing wrong today or something's happening. I'll have to, I guess, get into it. Um, yeah, I'm in it right now. I, I had to go to Benzinga YouTube. Yeah, exactly. That's why you're, everyone had to go to the Benzinga profile page to find the video, which is ridiculous because it took me 25 minutes to find it. You guys beat me to it. That's why you were late. But, okay. Yeah, that's why I'm late. The whole time I'm looking for it, Luke. But, dude, this has been the way, same thing for SPAC attack. So, Luke, my biggest concern is how does no one else notice this at our company? How does no one else talk about this? I got a worse one for you. No, there's nothing worse than that. I do. Go ahead. No, no, we're no, on no. Twitch. Made in India. We're on We're on Twitch. All right. You, you ready for the – so so yesterday, uh, biotech event. Who wants to join here and make we sure that we're always showing email up? our so email list to tell them that the biotech wait, 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 wait what did you say, biotech event? What did you say? We wanted more viewership for it, right? Yeah. We did not send an email to our list telling them that the event was happening and they should tune in. What do you mean? I mean, we literally didn't send an email. We sent 800,000 emails. What do you mean? We said if you registered for it. What did you say? If you registered for it. I it, it, You broke up. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with this room. What did you say for it? If If somebody registered for the event. Yep. They got an email. We, no we have else. a database of over a million email addresses. It was a sweet fucking event. Over 100 companies presenting that are literally changing the world. And these are the stocks that are 100% gappers every day. Like every day when we look, it's these stocks that are at the top of the movers charts. We didn't send the email saying, hey, come check out our event. Wow. What was the main reason for that? I don't know. Yeah, look okay. at Internet Enforcers is in agreement. What he said. I mean, I would love to bring Internet Enforcer on. Whatever he wants to get paid. Oh, no, he, he just said he's like he just said I didn't get an email for it. That's why no one was there. Yeah, exactly. I not mean, no, not then, no one was there. Not, yeah, no. not not no one, right? I mean, we, we still had several thousand people there. But but all right, I could keep going. I've got a laundry list. I know, but dude, I I mean, I've been trying to find our YouTubes all day. I wrote to Mitch Hodge, I wrote to Spencer Israel. I wrote, like I can't find them all day. And so like, I don't understand. I mean, 
Mitch is talking. He's talked to people who are in charge at YouTube. And has he been talking to them today? Like, I, I don't get what goes on here. It could be the, the stream thing. We switch the stream format. The stream format. We, we switch it to all day. No, no continuous. It's just today, man. No. Uh, well, that I don't know. You guys, have you guys, have you guys had the issue? The community will tell us. How long has this issue been going on for, community? What are they saying? I, I'm, I'm in the back end of YouTube. What, how long has this been? This week, it said, okay. There, there, there's a delay, so, so give it a second. Yeah, it's not just, there it is. Now it's hitting. Not just today. So, so you got Happy Muhammad, who came onto the show. Shout out Happy. First air horns of the day for Happy. Air horns don't work. Per yeah. usual, um, but but he said it's been going on for a while. Isaac says for a while. The Fed a while. Kenny a week or two. Enkel on and off. CC invest happens more than for just today. Uh, BA trader for life. I have to look for you every time. So the positive, I'm a silver lining kind of guy, especially on a Friday. Silver lining is that we got a, a nice look, hardcore group look. of zingers, zinger nation out there who's coming and finding this thing. Look, he's like, and Don's like, store the videos on your website with clear titles and then send emails to 800,000 years and invite them to look into it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. You guys, just like me and Luke get burnt out sometimes on some of this shit, you know? Yeah, I got to work on traffic and I never even get around to it hardly, like three hours a week. Oh, my God. Notification. So, so, um, okay, Chrome Knife has only seen it today. And that's, but like, is I mean, I saw Mitch on the show, but he's like, is he on vacation right now? No, Mitch is looking clean today too. I know. I was impressed. We 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 have a good friend back too, Jason. Somebody you like very much. Casey. Who? Casey's back. Mm-hmm. Not not the one I was thinking. But all right, let's just close this thing who, out, guys. Who, who? Chan. Chan is back to join the Power Hour, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I Favorite. We're, we're going to do some Friday motivation, all right? We're going into the weekend. You, we could spend the weekend sleeping in all day. But but Chan's going to get us fired up. He's going to give us some Friday motivation, so we'll still sleep in a little bit. Uh, but then we're going to be ready to to roll and, and, and chase after him. But all right, guys, chat challenge winner of the week. Again, the question was – here, let's bring Chan on for this one too. Chan, you're, I'm adding you in. All right. All right, Chan, get, check this out. On Monday, before earnings, we, we asked the group, uh, what what is the closing price of GameStop going to be at the end of the week before earnings? Right, mm -hmm. the median price guess what was was one point seven six percent away from where the stock is right now. Oh, that's pretty close. It's crazily close. Professional traders. Yeah, that's I mean that's what Zinger Nation is about. But all right, winner of the week, off by by a small margin. Let's get the exact percent. Point three eight percent. Guess the price of the stock within 63 cents. Oh, now I've got an echo. Uh, uh, Raymond, in the chat, swag.benzinga.com. That's the merch shop. Go there. Pick whatever you want. It's yours to take home, baby. You call the price of GameStop. We're going to remove the high-priced items before you have a chance to go in the store and pick, and then we'll add them back afterward. Uh, but 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 it is you. Round of applause. There, there it is. All right, Chan, what's up, man? Well, welcome back. Yeah, how, how are you doing? Good, good, good. You know, we, we had a, like a little two-day hiatus from the show. So we were hosting a biotech conference. Really cool. Over 100 biotech companies presented and basically gave their investor presentations on the channel over the course of two days. Okay. Really neat. But but I'm glad to be back at it. What's up with you? 
nothing much. The market's just, I feel like this whole week been pretty stressful, but, um, you know, it, yeah. it was pretty good. Um, today's choppy, so not really doing much, but I'm excited to be back too. And thanks for having me up here again. For sure, man. And, and I like, uh, we didn't really talk about what we were going to get into ahead of time, even though we did talk ahead of time, you know, we had other stuff to, to talk about. Um, but uh, I, I sort of warned up the group and I said, you, you got to give us the, the story again. You've got like, I, th I think such an incredible story. Can, can you just take us through it and, and like how you got started with trading and that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Motivation Fridays, right? Um, yeah, baby. There we go. Yeah, well, um, I went to John Jay uh, College of Criminal Justice. Always wanted to become a cop, and I did become a cop. And um, it's getting very good. right? New York City? Yeah, New York. NYPD. NYPD. Actually, today's my last day because um, the way it works is you have to burn all your vacation time. And then um, after that, you get to resign. So today, I'm actually going to resign after the show. But um, I think it was a great I hope they're not watching. Huh? I hope no, they're not they're, watching. I got a lot of cops into trading, so it's <laughs> They're going to fire you right before you can resign, like 20 minutes before. <laughs> That's true, probably. Well, I got uh, ALM with me, but um, yeah, I started as a cop, um, was homeless multiple times uh, because I took on a mortgage that I couldn't handle prior to becoming a cop because it was not the best paying job, but I really wanted to do it. So I did it and ended up being homeless, uh, lived in my car, couldn't really, my girlfriend offered me a place to live, but you know, as a man, you, you don't really want to live at a girl's house. So um, didn't really take up on that offer. Slept at the precinct, in the car every now and then. And, um, you know, started trading again because I lost a ton of money when I was in college following uh, penny stocks. And, um, you know, now we're doing quite all right. And I started a, a platform where people can um, look at options data. I have a Discord server of over uh, 10,000 people just helping them. Um, everything is relatively low priced, uh, entry level stuff. Whoever has questions, actually learning is free. You can come in, learn whatever you want and everyone's here to help. And it's such a strong team that we have. Um, and everyone doesn't ask for anything. You have questions, you come ask the question and you know, it'll be answered. Awesome. And, and, and how do they find it? We'll, we'll, we'll drop the link in the chat, but, but can, but yeah. how, how do they, how do they find it? If you just search up chance trades, um, it will pop, uh, you know. Boom. Producer AB, you got that? So, yes, he's not on the stream, but I, I, I heard him tele telepathically. He's got it. Um, but all right. So, 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 so you, you, you said you, you traded before. You lost a ton of money. You know, you, you, you were sleeping in the car. You were a cop. And then you said you got back into trading and you figured it out. What, what was it that clicked that, that helped you to figure it out? Or, or is there some, like some principles that you picked up on that, that made this, this crack at it successful? Because I think that we've all been in this boat. If you haven't blown up an account yet, I'm telling you, you are going to blow one up. Sorry, it's going to happen. I think uh, patience. Um, I, I think a lot of people, and obviously there is ways to make things work on an intraday perspective. I like trading reversals off demand and supply. Um, letting a trade play out because I, my head will explode if I was just looking at one minute candles or five minute, three minute candles. So I tend to look a little more on the four hour and daily. Um, it gives me a sense of like peace instead of just like, oh my God, it's going up and down and up and down. Instead of looking at that, um, I think it really clicked when um, I didn't have anything to lose. So I let the trade like play out like it was supposed to be. Um, cause I think a lot of people actually get into the trade with the right mindset, but then they don't carry on the full trade because they get scared. 
um, over the PNL. But when I had nothing to lose, it was really like, you know, I'm gonna just let this thing run. Um, and from there, I started believing in my trades a little more and it started clicking using the right tools like option sweeps, et cetera, to confirm a trade. So that helped a lot. And I think uh, that's what helped me out the most. And, and then nothing to lose. Is that sort of similar to like you, you, you just didn't, you took the emotion out of it, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I think that's the most important. Um, that's what pe most people fail at. Is it, is a discipline game. Like if you're going to say you're going to go to the gym every single day and you don't do it, you're going to lose in the trading game because it's, it's the promise you keep to yourself. Yes. Yes. I, I actually had one of those days literally just yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Where some of these stocks that I own, I, that I, that I like and have a thesis about were getting hammered, right? Like a third day in a row. And I, I tried to log into my brokerage account to sell them. There was an outage. So I actually couldn't, they're, they're, they're back up today. Right. So, so I'm glad. Right. But, but like I, I had the, the emotion overtook me. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, shit, I can't stomach this loss. Just let me get out, get the cash, start the fresh slate. Instead of just letting the, the thesis play out, the trade play out, think through it, etc. Actually, funny thing you brought up GameStop. What do you guys think about GameStop being like a freaking, um, like a VIX? Like every time the market goes up, GameStop drops. And prior to the market dumping, GameStop rises. It's so weird. Like, look today, look at today. Like GameStop is coming down. Uh, here, here, here's two. Here's a two-day chart up on the screen, guys. Yeah, I think it's so funny. Yep. Yes, it's the market indicator. Yeah, no, right. for real. Have you been trading it at all, or no? GameStop, no. But I, I did see because you brought it up that um, it dropped close to a hundred bucks. Um, uh, it went to one hundred and twelve, and then it rebounded very strong. Yes. Yeah. Wild action. All right. Here's one year. We don't need to look at that. We all know what that chart looks like. Here's one month chart. Yeah. Crazy action. GameStop earnings week. Back up. But all right, t t can you tell us a little bit about, about your trading? Uh, get get into some of the option stuff. Um, last time we got like pretty educationally and we got some Luke, awesome feedback. From it. What's Luke, up? What's up? What's up? Before you get in the train, I think I figured some stuff out, man. Okay. With like uh, yes. your, your YouTube or... What, what yeah. are we talking about? Yes, Internet Explorers and me are on the same page. Um, I know, I know what it. Um, I think I know what it is, and I mean, I, you and I don't spend time on this part. And nope. Um, and so I just did a little research, and it's it's crazy. So the reason, that, oh my god, it, it, ah, I'll I'll do it later. But um, I do love Chan. I do love his story because I lived in my car for um, a little bit. And you are right. You Motivation Fridays, baby. Let's go. Motivation Fridays. He's one of my favorites. Still no air horns. All right. So Luke, Luke, he's one of my favorites. So I just, I'm really glad you brought him on again. He's the one guy that I told you, if we could hire that guy, I would hire him in a heartbeat. But I know he has his own thing, you know. And Luke, yeah, you but said. Maybe we can get him doing a show regularly. I mean, the said, crowd loves you him. Said it was, you said it would take 800000 800, a year. So that's what we were trying to figure out. You said 800000 I don't know. Okay. Right, there it goes it works now uh but i get an echo that's why i keep turning it off aaron thomas because I, you hear my voice twice um all right chan uh uh tell us a little bit about the strategy and the trading uh reversals um the supply and demand reversals i'm currently in puts kind of kind of sad right now because um it's going up but it's it's whatever best thing about trading puts is um the fact that it could hedge your portfolio in the case that it does go opposite of you your portfolio is going up um 
I'm wondering, how did your uh, your cover calls turn out? Well, from from last week or from when we were on this? Do we do them together last time you yeah, were on? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure fine. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I sell a lot of covered calls. I, I do, do you? I do, but I liquidated a lot of my positions recently. Um, I'm currently bigger into prospective growth plays like uh, TSMPD. Uh, it recently changed to Humble, HMBL, and uh, AIT. Let's look at HMBL. Mm -hmm. okay, what, what is this company, if you know? It's um, it's a digital payment. It's um, the CEO is Brian Foote. Is a digital payment uh, processing company, and they're more into like the blockchain technology, into uh, Web three. Um, when did this ticker change? It happened today, actually. All right, so I don't have a. Okay, that's why the chart is sort of screwy. All right, give me another one that we can okay. pull up on the screen. <laughs> AITX, I like. All right, AITX. Let's look at this stock. So, so artificial intelligence technology. Wait, is this an, a ten cent stock? Yeah, but. It, All right, we'll show it. I just want to make sure I have the right one. All right, talk, talk me through it. All right, this is a robotics company. Um, if you know about, like, if you go to Stop and Shop, you'll see, like, these little, like, robots, the recent ones, the robots that just go around and they just look for stuff that, um, like, spillage or whatever. Um, artificial intelligence is part of that. Um, they have security that roams around, like, the perimeter of a place. So they have yeah. revenue and products. Yep. CEO is uh, very responsive on um, on Twitter. Ask him if there's a potential in like government contracts. Telling me stay tuned. I'm trying to get an interview with him. But um, this company, out of the other competitors like Nightscope, etc., this one seems to be the one that's on the market. They have a 250 million uh, market cap. Technicals look great. Um, what, what time horizon should I have up? Do you want daily candles? I have, the, I have the daily. All right, all right. So, so, so here's the daily. Zoomed in a little bit. Okay. So, so, so tell tell me what you're seeing technically on this one. Yeah, so we have a demand zone at the 0 0.0844 and the 0 0.0964, which we just bounced off of. Um, looking for a curl and a break of the downtrend that we have here. Um, and I think it's going to break it soon, as long as we hold this level, obviously, with the the boost of the market. It recently came down because the whole market kind of dragged it down with it. Okay. But it's a solid company. Um, they just signed a new lease for a production facility. And I have huge, this isn't like a, a play for like, you know, intraday or something. Yeah, like this that. is not a swing trade. This sounds like it's a long-term investment yeah, or like a core holding. Yeah, it's an investment for me. Okay. All and right. Five years. Five. Okay. There we go. I like it. We have this other guy who comes on named Jack Hurley. Do you know who that is? No. Who's that? Okay. Uh, uh, but but he, he gives us all these, these people love him. He gives these tickers that are like the five-year holds where, yeah. where they, they look sort of like this, like, hey, this is a $90 million market cap company. I'm not going to look at the chart for five years. It's, it's awesome. So, all right, we, we, have, we have one of these. I think, I think too much people fo focus on trading too. I mean, investments are one of the most important, you know, concepts that everyone should be into and can't really look down on penny stocks. Cause I mean, Neo used to be a micro cap, you know, and this thing flew to like a highs of over 60, I think. Right. And, but yeah, back down a little, but you can't, you never know the parabolic moves that come or possibly will come. Yeah. Neo hit today, guys. Autos in general hit today. Uh, they, they, Neo suspending production for five days due to that chip shortage. Mm -hmm. Talking right, about there it is. Intel. 
that was thing is at 60, close to 64 right now. But yep. we all remember this thing tanked heavy when, uh, like, uh, because of AMD, and it, it was such a great entry. I didn't get into it, but from 43 lows to 67 highs, this was a nice one. Dividend play, uh, paying growth stock, amazing. Yep. So, so do you like it right now? Like, are, like, do you still like this one? Is the trade through? Where, where are you at with it? I wouldn't get in now. I mean, it's it's too. I I would never get into a trade after it just made a huge run. Like, I like playing reversals. That would have been a great trade. I was just a little skeptic about myself and also um, where the market was at that time because of the whole Corona deal. But this was a trade I missed out on and it was definitely a great investment. Yep. All right. What 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 about uh, uh, an options trade? You, you you have an options idea for us? Um, I if do... not, if not, then I'm gonna propose we do a covered call lesson. Sure. Well, you pick. Which what do you what do you want to do? I would say. I mean, uh, no, spy spy is way too expensive. <laughs> I don't have this either. Um, if you want to do covered calls, I've already got one on that we can talk through. Yeah, let's go. All right, let, let's do it. So, so, so guys, we're, we're, we're going to talk about covered calls strategy that I love in stocks that are my long-term holdings. I'm not doing this for, for the stocks that I'm swinging right on this show. We, we spend an improportionate amount of time talking about the, these, these nice rippy boy stocks, um, but that we want to see double over the next week and that sort of thing. Uh, that that's not where I use covered calls. I use covered calls against stocks that I own, like our visa here. So, so Chan, what, what can, can you talk us through what a covered call is? why you would use one and, and how the mechanics work. And then I've got a live trade on. This is the live interactive brokers account that we look at every single day on this show. Uh, so, so, so I'll give you guys the, the rundown on the visa covered call trade that I have. Oh, you sold, you sold one already. I already did it. Yeah, I did. I did it on, on uh, last week. Okay, fine. Give me a new one. I'll oh, fine. Yeah. Let's just, we'll do no, a new one. You sold it at a perfect time then. I mean, like when did you sell it? Did, they call me hot stocks Luke for a reason. Okay, what can I say? No, that that was a great. Um... All right, check check this out, guys. So 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 we did this last week, I believe, right? And and Visa, we we hold the stock, right? We we own the stock outright in the portfolio. Um, uh, and and basically, uh, what what I proposed is you can sell covered calls against Visa to basically create your own uh, uh dividend on the stock, and, and the only risk that you're taking on. Is that you might have to sell your shares of the stock for a higher price than 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 where it's at right now at some point within the next month because we went a month out. So so the stock was two hundred and twenty ish dollars. We sold the two hundred and forty strike calls. We got paid two hundred and seventy three dollars per contract. We sold two contracts, uh, so we got paid five hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, and check this out. We've now earned ninety four percent of everything we can make on the trade. So if we do the math, two point seven three. Minus 0.18 uh, is that uh, times 200 shares. So, so we've made $510 and we can do this every single month. I mean, it's about time to do it again, I would say, Chan. This is the, the April 16th. We, we won on the trade. Uh, time to do the next one, do you think, uh, on the same same stock? You could definitely close it out. But um, to do it right now, um, I think you caught the perfect entry because you know it hit the high of 228. And then for the um, on the daily chart, you see there's um, so, some resistance um, after the the 11th. 
And after that, it just came right down. So I think you have the perfect entry. As of right now, it seems like it's bouncing off of the trend line. Um, that's easily drawable. Um, right from, uh, where are you? The October all the way up here. And it just recently bounced off of it. You caught it at the top, which was great. Okay, but... I was lucky. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't do it now. But I mean, you could always do it as long as it doesn't hit above the strike. So, you know, you could always make it work. But uh, in regards to like a risk reward perspective, I don't think right now is the time. Yep. Uh, uh... All right. So, so give me one here. Do you want to you see the list of stocks today on? We can pick one. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to scroll. Okay. What about USO? Um, talking about USO, there was actually a uh, a bearish golden put sweep that I saw today. Um, we could do Hims is another one. I've been selling covered calls against Hims consistently. Hims and hers health, lol. <laughs> do you know that stock or no? No, no, no. I think I heard you talk about it, but um, I don't know of it. I um, love this stock. This is like you gave your five year. This is my five year. Basically, I'm, I'm going to just be frank, okay? Basically, the company makes its money right now by selling erectile dysfunction pills over the internet. Okay? It's cool. I'm behind it. Support, you know, whatever. Cash register on that one. But that's not the reason that, that, that I'm in the stock. Um, the, the reason I'm in the stock is because I think it's a sexy telemedicine brand. Right. I think that the, that the future is telemedicine. You got all these old school companies with the shitty technology that are trying to get into it. Hims is like that new wave, next generation, what, what I think can be a sexy future telemedicine brand. Uh, the, the, the guys, the, the, our, our boys, Penny's going in raw. Hugh and Dan actually interviewed the CEO. Um, you know, and he, and he basically, the CEO got into, we could be profitable today if we want to. Um, but but there, we have no need. We have 19 health categories that we want to get into. I think they're in five of them right now. And, and so that's why I like the stock. I think it's a, a sexy uh, telemedicine brand. I am getting dunked on the, the stock itself. Where, where, where did it go? So I'm down 38% on the stock, but I've sold covered calls against the thing like four times. So so my average price is not really that 2158. It's probably down to like 19, 18 bucks at this point. This actually isn't a bad entry. Um, a bad entry place. Just bounced off the man. But Yuso, uh, Yuso actually for the cover call, I think um, that would be a great play. Do do the uh, Hims one? Is that what, what what we're picking? Yuso, United States Oil. Oh, USO. All right, oil. All right, talk, talk us through the trade, and then I'm gonna make it live in the account, um, and we'll basically talk through how everything works. Uh, and and guys, if you're just tuning in, one o'clock Eastern. About let's see, ten minutes from from now, uh, we're gonna have the CEO Smile Direct Club ticker SDC Ooh. on, and and then at one thirty Eastern, uh, Wise Key ticker WKEY. If you have not seen that stock this week, go look at a chart. You're gonna be like, whoa! I need to hear from the CEO. Uh, NFT play, it's hot. Um, you know, and, and everybody in the chat is asking me how does the the Hims product work. Uh, you know, you have to come back at the ten p.m. stream to hear about that one. Um, but all right, all right, Chan, do you, do you want to pull up a chart on, on the USO? I, I don't know if you want to share your screen or not. How do I do that? Uh, if, if you go to, to the platform that you logged into to join us today, at the, the bottom there is a screen share button. It looks like a little monitor. It says share with a little plus sign. 
Ooh, okay, I see it. Cool. And and and, and somebody's saying sell and cover calls. That means you're bearish, right? No. It uh, means you want to make money. Yeah. It, 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 it means it means you're you're defining your upside. Well, let let let's talk all the way through it. And then and then and then you you sell puts too, Chan, don't you? If I like the stock. Okay, so so we can do put selling too because I, I I sold puts against Palantir uh, last week the same time I did that Visa covered call. Um, so so we can do an update on that. Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, so we um, need to have you on more often. This is sick. Um, well, yeah. Um, I think you can sell, especially since you have a great amount of like um, you don't have like crazy expiration dates. I mean, sometimes you have stocks that have like crazy uh, far expiration dates. You could do like next week or something like that. The 42, um, probably 45. If you want to play safer, the 45 strike, I don't see us getting up there. You're going to have some sort of pullback over here at this 42.5 level. Um, and, and again, guys, the, the, the ticker that we're looking at is USO. I'm going to drop it in the chat just so, so it's abundantly clear. And, and Chan, basically what, what you're seeing is, is you see a, a cluster of highs that the stock made and could not get above at the top of the chart there. Um, and, and so that's what, what you would select as the, uh, the strike price to sell the call against. Is that accurate? You, yeah. If you want to play extra safe, the 45 seems pretty safe. Um, you also have a, a pattern formation here, possibly a head and shoulder formation. Um, but the weekly expirations, you're definitely going to get some pullback around this 42.5 area. So I think, uh, selling a cover call there. Is perfectly so, 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 so let me ask you this, we, we, or I'm going to take a step back. Okay, so so covered calls in principle, right? We own the stock. Okay, we 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 own shares of the common stock, guys. If the price goes up, we make money. If the price goes down, we lose money, right? Very very simple. What we can do is we can sell calls against that stock, and 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 what what that means basically is when we sell the call, we're gonna get money credited to our account today. We get income, so some cheddar into the the interactive brokers account. Uh, and then the risk that we're taking on in exchange for that is, is if the, the price of the stock goes above the strike price of the call we sold, we, we have to give up our stock, the, the shares that we own in the stock. Okay. Um, and, and so, so there, there, there's the, the, the how covered calls work at a high level and we'll, we'll walk through it all again when we do the live example. Um, but, but Chan, let me, let me ask you this. When you're selling covered calls, how far out do you typically go? It depends. I mean, it all depends on the premium you're trying to collect, um, when you think the move will happen or how quick you think it will um, happen. I also take, you know, the general market direction as like an indicator as to if I should sell the call or not. You definitely don't want to sell a call when the stock has dropped already because then you're, you're kind of like late to the game and a rebound is possibly most likely going to happen. You want to see it, you know, potentially, especially with IV and all of that. You want to see a stock boost up. Oh, SNDL was actually a great one. Um, uh, when I got into SNDL, this thing was like 66 cents. It popped over a hundred and something percent um, to around the 1.2 level. The IV was like 700 percent, and all the shares I had, I think I spent maybe 2,500 dollars on the shares at uh, 66 cents. Selling the contracts for uh. 40 contracts equated to the same amount that I put into the trade. So I was like, this is a hundred percent a trade to take. Sold the 1.5 calls and um, banked the, the premium that basically covered the whole trade. Now the trade is close to like risk-free. 
Um, okay. Ivy is definitely on your side in these like huge movements, and those are the times to pocket these options and to um, take in the cover call. There, there it is. So, so all right, let, 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 let's let's look at this USO. G- give me you're picking the trade, okay? <laughs> my my fate is in your hands. Uh, so, so we identified the strike price is $45 and we picked that out because we see the cluster of highs. It looks like there's some resistance there. Uh, you know, how, how far out do you, do you want me to go? And, and I'll set you a parameter. I, I, I typically don't go more than, than a month out. Um, oh, you actually have 42.5 for next week. Um, let me see Actually, yeah, the 42, wait. uh, There's plenty of liquidity, I'd imagine. Just to be safe, I mean, you could do the 45. I mean, there's only a $16 premium, but the 45 one is pretty safe. You could do the 42.5 for next week, and I'm still somewhat confident, but if you want to be extra safe, the 45 uh, call would be a nice one. All right, let's look at some, uh, all right, so so you're looking at the weekly, so that's April 1st. So the 42.5s, I could sell those for 70 cents. The 45s, I could sell them for 15 cents. That's a huge difference. Yeah. What what what's the last on this one? 41.70. Okay, so that's that's why those are so cheap. Is the Suez Canal thing impacting oil? I should know that. I don't. No. Um. I. If somebody in the chat knows, please tell us. And also, you, right now on the intraday level, you're actually hitting some sort of resistance. So this would actually be a good. Um, actually, yeah, I would do the 42.5. I think um, you'll get the move down. All right, let's do it. We're hitting it. All right, so so I, I I'm gonna take the screen share back from you, Chan, while I walk through this. So okay, there it is. Da, 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 da. All right, here here's the options chain on the brokerage account. Okay. Again, guys, if you're just joining, the ticker that we're talking about is USO. That's the ETF that 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 tracks oil. People are saying yes, it's definitely impacting oil, the Suez Canal thing. But but all right, the, the stock last traded at $41.67. Okay. I'm going down to this option chain and, and I'm going to sell uh the, the 42.5 uh strike calls. Okay, so we're gonna go to sell. We, we, we own 200 shares of USO, so we're going to sell two contracts against it. Um, and, and so let, let, let's look at this math, right? So so let's set our limit price. We're going to put it up to 70 cents, have a nice round number for the explanation. Pull out our trusty calculator. All right, 70 cents per, per share times 200 shares. So when we sell this call, we're going to get 140 bucks credited to our account right away. Okay, whenever you're getting paid to do something with options, the most important thing is you need to know what risk you're taking on with this trade. All right, the risk that we're taking on is that we may be forced to sell our shares of USO for $42.50, sometimes between now and six days from now. Okay, so the stock the stock last traded at $41.70, so, so that's 80 cents away, uh, and we might have to sell our stock for $42.50. So, so if the stock does not get up to 4250 between now and six days from now, we keep our 140 bucks and we do it again next week, right? We're making $600 a month at 7,200 bucks a year uh, just to own the stock, right? The, the, the cost of the stock that we own is like 8,500 bucks. If you make $7,200 a year selling calls against it, I mean, that's pretty cool. 
Okay. It's like a hundred percent dividend yield almost. Um, and, and then on, on the, the other side of things, right? Let's say that the price of the stock goes to $43, right? Above our 4250 strike. We have to sell our shares for 40, 4250, which I'm okay with doing, right? Because I get the 140 bucks credited to me for selling the calls. Plus the price of the stock that I own goes up. I, I might not be able to sell it for 45 if it jumps all the way to 45, but I'm still selling it at a higher price than what it's trading at right now. Okay. The, the, does that make sense? Did I miss anything there? No? Okay. I don't even know if it's going to get filled now. Is it? It's out. It's not filling. It's out there in the in the atmosphere. <laughs> Shit, yeah, because it's, uh, it's going down now. <laughs> it just moved on us. Okay, see, that's what happens when you spend all this time explaining shit. You know, <laughs> the stock is against you, and, and you don't get filled. So, so, so maybe you know, if it, we'll, we'll let it sit for another couple of minutes, we, we might go adjust our, our limit price lower. But again, guys, so, so assuming this fills, I'm gonna get 140 bucks uh, to basically take on the risk that I have to sell the stock at a higher price than it's trading at right now for within the next six days. I think that's an amazing risk to take on. I, I, I do this on almost every single stock uh that that i own that that's like a long-term core holding again i'm not doing this on these rippy boys that i want the price to double over the course of the next week i'm doing this on the stocks that, that are like core holdings sitting in the portfolio for an extended period of time uh you, you know and and i i can generate some income like that all right what what what, what else mr chan what else well i shoot like i i feel like taking a use of um are you so put now? Jeez. Wait, you're gonna buy a put on it? No, so I mean, All right, can I you share your screen and we can see some live action? Oh wait, I have to. Um, I took it. I took it back. Here, I'm gonna put your screen share back on. Okay. Is that fine or no? Yeah, go for it. All right, your screen is back. Back being displayed. Because I saw Here's your website. And this is from Ben. Uh, I mean, from the data from Benzinga, but um, there it was a USO um, golden put suite for July, pretty far out, but uh, this is an opening position. And I think um, it looks good. I, I could actually take, actually, I'll take, I'll take it just to, sh all right, go for it. I think we have some downside here. This is what you say, um, you trust your own platform, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Money where your mouth is, you're not just making the platform, you're trading on it live. Didn't even expect it. I, we, we gotta do some drama for this one, ready? Mm -hmm. There's the drama. Chan, you, you, you don't come on the show often enough, but we promise people three things. It, it's it's trade ideas, jokes, and gimmicks. Uh, you know, and that's where the sounds come in. Okay? Let's do it. Um, let's see. 716. 716.35. All right. And, and tell, tell us what you're doing. So, so you're buying puts right now on USO? Yes, sir. That are expiring six days from now, the, the weeklies? No, July 16th. Like I said, I'm showing that my platform. Oh, July 16th. Okay, okay. Oh, it showed me 716. I'll just leave, okay? So we'll do that. And then um, let's see if it executes. We'll do five. Confirm and send. My buying power. Whoa. Where's Luke? Oh, Aaron. You were yelling at me, so I left, okay? <laughs> Wait, what the hell? 
All right, all right. I'll be, I'm back. I'm hanging around. Look, all right, so, so tell for... us what the trade was. And, 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 and yeah, well, 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 guys, if you're just joining us, we're, we're going to hop to Smile Direct in a second here. Uh, 130 Wise Key, ticker WKEY. Look at that, that that chart if you haven't seen it yet. But, but Chan, you just made it. Yeah, Jason. Chan just made a live trade on the show. He was looking at a chart, and he's like, oh, shit, I got to hit this. Uh, so, so Chan, will, will you tell us what the trade is But before we got to hop? The USO puts, I mean, it's, like I said, the platform that I have says and told me, and they also worked with our trade confirmation that we just spoke about, um, that USO looks pretty bearish. So, uh, like mm -hmm. I said, you live by your platform. I'm sure you guys use Benzinga Pro. Mm -hmm. I use this website, so I got to do what my website tells me to, right? Uh, obviously, you shouldn't take every single trade that all right, Lukey. platform, but um, all right. all right, all right, Chan, I appreciate you doing the live trade. Uh, we have a guest coming up here in just 15 or 30 seconds. What's the one second? I gotta get ready. Here yeah, we no go. Um, all right, thanks for hopping on, Chan. Let, let, yeah. Let's catch up offline, off video. Let's talk some ideas. Uh, and and producer AB. Drop the link in the chat. How can people stay in touch with Chan? Put it in there for him. Because uh, he's been so gracious to hang out with us. Thank you, guys. All right. Peace All out, right. man. All right, Luke. I, are you heading off? I, I'm heading off. Happy trading, guys. Let's keep the ideas flowing. Let's keep Zinger Nation alive. I'm going to throw my, my Twitter, Jason's Twitter, in the chat. Throw us the follow. Let's hang out over the weekend. All right. Oh, you're back, Luke. Must be gone. Help me off. Um, all right, Kyle. Smile direct. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Good. Sorry for making you wait a minute or two. Um, okay. I guess they're doing a live trade of some sort. So, um, how's how's life in these Corona days with you guys? Life is good. Yeah, business is is doing well. Uh, you know, kids are. Uh, Kids are back in school, which is always a, a good thing. So, uh, yeah, th things are going well and, uh, you know, optimistic for the coming quarters here. Great. Um, so how I mean, I guess how has the pandemic impacted you guys? And, you know, what is the outlook with that? Is it is it changed business a lot? I know a while ago you guys, you know, trimmed staff for a little bit um just like every company basically did it, it's um, unless it was some you know virtual company like amazon um but how 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 is that going that process yeah i would say it's going well so if you look at our business you know since inception we've always been a teledentistry business right so business has been around now for uh, about six years and and because of that teledentistry platform it enabled us to pivot very very quickly uh when covid first started so you know if you look at our business we were Probably about 90% of our business was going through our smile shops. And I can, I can talk more about what that means prior to, to COVID. Uh, you know, in the early stages of, of COVID, we actually had to shut all those smile shops down. Uh, and so we pivoted to uh, our impression kits and had about almost 100% of our business going through uh, our impression kit business. And that's back today, more closer to 50-50 to between the two of them. But, you know, I think what it really uh, demonstrated overall was just the, the agility and the flexibility of the business model and of our team members. Uh, and so, you know, throughout the, the pandemic, we've been able to, to operate and, and really execute against the longer term plan that we've uh, that we've outlined. Yeah. And, and I've seen that with your numbers. So one of the questions that we get um, um, is, that, is the company looking th this quarter profitability? Is that still um, you, had, you have had a couple consecutive quarters of profitability? Is that still something in the outlook or did Corona interfere with that? 
No, absolutely. Still the plan. So we came in uh, first quarter of EBITDA profitability was Q3 of last year. That was one quarter ahead of plan. Uh, we, we executed on that again in Q4 and we've guided to being EBITDA, you know, EBITDA positive again here in Q1 and uh, well positioned for that. And I would say even more importantly, you know, executing very well against the longer term targets that we've outlined and really building the infrastructure to drive to that 25 to 30 percent EBITDA margin over a multi-year period. Got it. And we're, I know you're the CFO, but we're going to get off financials in a second and get to what like you guys really do and why it's an exciting company. Um, you're currently in 12 countries, I think. Are you expand? Are you looking to expand further? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the market, uh, about 75 percent of our opportunity is actually outside of the U.S. So it truly is a global opportunity. Uh, you know, we've we've launched our first market uh, towards the, the early part of, of 2019, as you said, in 12 countries globally now. And we've got another handful that we're expected to launch into uh, in this year and beyond. And that's globally. We're, we're looking at uh, not only LATAM and, and APAC, but Europe as well and, and other regions around the world. So certainly part of, of the core growth strategy that we've outlined, if you look at our, our core market, you know, we're in the early stages of a, a massive opportunity, but international is a uh, an important component of that. Is it hard to go to other countries? Like, like, how do you go open another country? Do you have to like hire like a general manager of that country? Like, how we do. That yeah, so we've got a we've got a great team and a and a great president of international who leads that part of our business. But we go through a a pretty long process that builds up to it, where we're looking at a lot of different items leading into it. So we look at the regulatory environment as a good example. The competitive dynamics and, and generally we overinvest in these markets for a 24 month period so you know we were just talking about being being profitable as a q3 last year you know, if you look at our our international business that actually still operates at a loss today as we invest into those countries to get them to where the us is today even though on a consolidated basis we're we're profitable across the entire business so we're making significant investments to support that growth and we do that for a multi-year period so if you look at the us for example you know, one in two uh, consumers around the country are familiar with the, the Smile Direct Club brand. Obviously, in countries that we launch into, you know, that aided awareness is effectively none when we first launch. And so we have a lot of effort that goes into building up that awareness and, and building the brand in these new markets. Got it. Okay. Now, what is Smile Direct Teen? The teen product itself? Yeah. Um, yeah. What is that? What yeah. So, if you know, if you look at the... Uh, the orthodontic industry, about 75% of that market is is uh, teens. So case starts, about 75% is teens. For us, it's only about 10% of our business today. So it's, it's a relatively small percentage of, of our total business. We actually have 20% of our business that's 50 and older, uh, and everything else is is in between. So it's, it's pretty uh, broad from an age and, and income demographics perspective. But we launched a, a product last summer that was specifically focused on the teen market, just given that's a a very important component as we think about our growth for the future, but a relatively smaller percentage of our business today. So we have a, a team product that focuses specifically on that market. And what it really differentiates is if you think about how we have to communicate with our club members to help them change their aligners as a great example. So sending out reminders to change change aligners. Well, with the team product, you now need to communicate not only with the team themselves, but also with the parent. And so there was a lot of backend infrastructure that we had to build and tailor to, to focus specifically on that team market. Okay. Now, so how does, how does it work? I mean, I had a guy in the office, he's, he's about to sign up with you guys, but are dentists, 
using you guys or how does like how how does orthodontist is it on the own is it people going online like how, how is the process i know your process is a little bit different than a line um what is like the differentiator like how does that part work yeah, absolutely. So there's there's absolutely uh, you know a doctor involved as as you point out. So we provide you know doctor directed care, uh, no different than you would get in a brick and mortar practice today. But we're using our our teledentistry platform. So you know if you think about the the differentiator, we're, we're providing a, a safe and, and effective uh, product, but we're doing it without the three times markup that's associated with traditional orthodontics. And so you know if you think about uh, traditional ortho historically. Uh, you know, Invisalign would sell uh, the aligners to the dentist or to the orthodontist, and they would mark it up uh, three times and then sell that back to the consumer. You know, we've effectively provided that same doctor-directed care through our teledentistry platform, but removed that markup. And so we've made it so much cheaper for uh, club members while getting, you know, great outcomes. So if you look at the outcomes that we're providing and, and look at the before and afters that we provide on our website, you know, clearly great outcomes, but without that markup. So you know, how does that work? We're, we drive demand to uh, our website. And so they're getting to the site through aided awareness, as I mentioned before, uh, which is about one in two consumers today or about 50% of, of the population. Uh, they get there through referrals, which is over 20% of our business today, 22% as of last quarter, or through marketing. And so we drive them to the site. When they get to the site, they choose if they want to order an impression kit. And if they order an impression kit, we'll ship it directly to their door. They'll do the impression uh, and send it back to our, our dental lab and, and manufacturing facilities that are, are located here just outside of Nashville. Uh, they could also book an appointment at a smile shop, so they could go directly to, to one of our shops. We have 100 permanent locations around the country uh, and have another uh, you know 100 or so pop-up events that we're doing. So you might be in a city that doesn't have a smile shop. We're still likely coming there uh, you know once a month with, with a pop-up event. And then we've recently launched partnerships with a lot of dental offices as well. So you can go uh, in person at your dentist as well uh, and start your journey that way where the dental office will do that initial assessment in the initial scan. Uh, they'll upload that to our teledentistry platform and then our doctor network takes takes over the rest of the process from there and manages that process no differently than we do with our, our shops with kids. Yeah. And, and I know that it's a, you know, there's different vendors, different technologies that come in and people don't like change sometimes. So, um, and you guys have been a disruptor to the, not, I mean, providing a solution that didn't right. exist before. Um, how, is 3D printing important to this industry? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're actually the, the largest 3D printing manufacturer in the US today. Uh, and so what happens is a lot of people think the, uh, the aligners themselves are actually 3D printed. That's, that's not the case. So what happens is uh, with, with the, uh, you know, scan that you would we would we would take for you when you go into a smile shop. We actually take that digital file and we load that print file through a 3D printer. And what comes out of that is basically a mold of your teeth. Uh, and so there's mold that comes out, and we take the the plastic and we thermoform uh, that plastic over over top of that arch. So 3D printing is a, a very important part of that. We're the the largest, as I said, in the U.S. today, manufacturing for 3D printers. We've got a great partnership with with HP. And actually, if you go to our website today, you'll see on our investor page a, a great video of uh, the manufacturing facilities that we have uh, and the complexity and, and, and uh, you know, infrastructure that we've built over the past six years in, in manufacturing. Got it. Got it. And um, so one of the things with with the 3D printing, you got you guys take impressions of them of, you know, 
the mouth. Um, I told one of your founders, I wish you guys would make custom made ear pods. Like <laughs> those, those white ear pods that Apple makes. I've tried everything. I did the rubber, like the thing around it. They fall out of my ears. You right. Make these perfect impressions of your teeth. Why can't you make it for, uh, you know, uh, ears, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's funny you say that we've thought over the years about a lot of different, you know, opportunities and, and really today I've stayed focused on, on oral health and oral care. So if you look at, at what we've created, obviously disrupting the orthodontic industry, but we've also disrupted the oral care industry as well. So we've got a line of oral care products. We've got the number one whitening gel uh, in the country over the past 12 months. And, uh, have really brought premium, you know, oral care products to the market at, at very affordable prices. But, you know, as you point out, our, our our infrastructure is such that we have capacity potentially down the road to look at other other avenues as well. And, you know, certainly in our smile shops, which are only about 60 percent utilized today, we've got sufficient room for for growth and, and uh, you know, potentially looking at ancillary services over time. Certainly not on the core roadmap, but something that we have thought a lot about. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly. It's not. <laughs> it's something that I just would love those ear. I, I'm jealous of you guys running around the ear pods and they don't fall out. That's all. It's my selfish. I mean, hey, right. when, I, when I was interviewing you today, I got, I mean, if I turn the camera to the wall, it's like, snag me a discount, snag me a discount. They want me to, uh, that we could do, yeah. So, right. Exactly. Uh, we did actually 3D print, uh, you know, PPE equipment. If you go back to the start of COVID, right. when we had shut down manufacturing, we were, we did a lot of PPE for uh, the first couple months of COVID there. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, now there was another question someone sent me in, in before. Let me see if I can. Okay. So can you tell us about partnerships with insurance companies like MetLife and how that allows you to reach a larger customer base? Yeah. So if you look at ortho insurance historically, uh, you know, for uh, I'm sure many people who have had their kids go through care and, and you try and get reimbursed from your insurance company, it's not a good experience. So you generally have to pay the provider uh, and, and then you know, work to get reimbursed from your insurance company. And if you look at acceptance of that, you know, the general uh, the general reimbursement would be something like 50% up to a lifetime max of say $1,000. So if you think about that in the context of traditional ortho care, you might get $1,000 back out of a total cost of, of a $5,000 treatment. Whereas for us, you would get $1,000 back out of 1950. So it's a, a significantly higher portion of, of the overall treatment. So we've always accepted insurance. It's just been more of that reimbursement model historically that we've, we've provided to our club members. A couple of years back, what we really switched to uh, was going in network with insurance providers. So what that means is the club member would only pay us what they owe out of pocket. We would help them check eligibility and we would submit their claim directly to the insurance company and the insurance company would pay us back directly. Uh, and so that club member just has a much better experience. It's a much lower cost out of pocket as well. Uh, and so we think it's a great growth opportunity. We're in network today with, with almost all of the, the largest payers around the country today. And what we're starting to do is actually partner with self-insured employers as well so that we can drive uh, the adoption of, of adult orthodontic coverage uh, around the country, where historically, if you look at ortho coverage, a lot of it has been teen coverage. And so there's an age cap of, say, 18 or uh, early 20s, depending on the plan that you have. But we're now partnering with self-insured employers as well to help drive that coverage so that there's no age caps associated with those plans. So it, it's a great benefit for, for our club members. Got it. No, that, that's awesome. I mean, I thought that was a big move when you got those approved, when you got that worked out. So if I'm sitting here and I'm considering to invest in smile direct 
versus competitors. And I know we've talked about a lot of the great things you have going. Are there things that, I mean, I'm sure there's things that are not out in the market, but are there something that, you know, Joe, you know, average Joe investor on the sideline should know about Smile Direct that I haven't asked about? I know you have a good founding team. I, I, I know the team. I'm, and I should say this, I'm an investor in Smile Direct, been one for a while. Um, and so I know there was a lot of hoopla back in the day on it and I've just stayed in and I, I'm in. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but, uh, but is there something like if you're on the sideline, why I should own or why someone should own smile Jack for three, four years. And it's like, I know you have prepared remarks, but maybe it's like more, even a casual conversation. I, I mean, how long have you been at smile Jack for? Yeah. So I've been here for uh, about three years now. Uh, I've been in healthcare for uh, about 15 years, but uh, was with a healthcare IT company. We sold that business and, you know, I just saw the opportunity that we, we have as a business and, and, you know, the management team, if you look at, you know, our, our CEO, who, you know, well, has an incredible background and has led, uh, you know, many highly disruptive businesses over the years. And so I looked at the team, looked at the opportunity and, and I would say most importantly, looked at the mission. Uh, and if you look at what we're doing here, it, it's truly changing lives for people, right? I mean, our, our customer, uh, it, it's been a lifelong problem where 90% of people have some type of crowding or spacing and they've never been able to, to get treatment. It could be an access problem because only 40% of counties have access to an ortho. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't convenient. They didn't want to go in every single month and, and have to go in person to see it. And it could have been a cost problem. So at five to 8,000, many people you know, obviously can't afford that. And so we've We've solved those critical uh, problems and, and done it in a way that uh, is incredibly powerful. So if you look at the, the confidence that we're bringing the people that have been through treatment, it truly does change their lives. And, you know, the whole the whole the whole company and the whole team really rallies around that mission. So it, it's a, a very fun team to be a part of. But, you know, I would say from an investor perspective, if you if you look at the competitive you know, moats that we've built within this business, you know, even though we're in the very early stages, you know, this is a, a market opportunity that if you do the math on it, 90% of people globally have some type of malocclusion. If you look at who can afford to pay, malocclusion being crowding or, or spacing of their teeth. Uh, if you look at who can afford to pay that the $89 a month that we charge with SmilePay, there's 500 million people globally that we think fall within our, our market opportunity. Less than 1% of those are actually treated annually. So there's a you know, trillion dollar market that we're going after here, we think, and we're in the very, very early stages of that. And if you look at the the competitive dynamics and the, the barriers to success that we've built, you know, we've got 50% aided awareness today. The next largest competitor in teledentistry has maybe one or 2% aided awareness. So we've got an incredible brand head start. But as you move beyond that, you know, the omni-channel presence that we've built, giving people the option between impression kits and smile shops and their dental practice, no one's been able to, to replicate that, and it's going to take a lot of time and money to be able to get there. The teledentistry platform and the doctor network is a, another great example uh, of a barrier that we built over the over the competitors. Our SmilePay program, 100% approval on SmilePay. That's a program that we keep on our balance sheet. It's going to be very difficult for someone to, to replicate that program. You know, the vertical integration, I mentioned that the manufacturing video on the website, definitely encourage you to go check that out. But you know, that, that's going to take someone hundreds of millions of dollars and many, many years to get there and a lot of execution. So when you put all that together and, and you look at the, the unique position that we have within the market, uh, in addition just to the massive opportunity we're going after, we think we're, we're you know, in the very early stages of an incredible opportunity. And, and you know, most exciting, we're, we're changing lives along the way and, and giving people the opportunity to get orthodontic care 
uh, with great, you know, great clinical outcomes, as I said, without the same 3x markup that you would pay with uh, with other providers. Uh, yeah, no, those are, I mean, those are a lot of good reasons why you'd be a smile direct investor. But it's also what to me is amazing. Yeah, we can talk about Katzen, but the thing that's amazing to me is it's a household name. I mean, it's a household name. Yeah, um, you, you got the Golden State Warrior guy who's investor and wears the brand and also, but it, like that's not enough. It's a household name. I mean, literally, I'm doing this interview with you and we interview probably 20 public companies or not probably 40 public companies a, uh, a week ceos yeah i've never had two people come up to me and say hey can you get a discount i'm, I'm about i'm about to order and i'm like yeah, yeah yeah and then literally on the wall here it says snag me you know so it's, 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 just, it's just funny but it just shows where you guys like started from and where you're at today and what can be done and and i'm sure you're very tech forward I'm sure the app and tools like that are just going to get better and better and better. Which absolutely. I assume would expand profit margins. Yeah, absolutely. R&D is a big focus for us right now. We put uh, you know, a lot of money investing in. If you think about the, the disruption we brought to the market, it was really about disrupting the category with products that were out there and, and really removing that markup, as I said before. The next evolution of our uh, of our disruption is is really focused around R and D and AI and, and ways that we can continue to disrupt with technology how we do business today. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff in development there. So here here's a question that I guess I'm going to go to someone who's probably maybe bearish. I don't know. It says Jeff Calverly wrote Smile Direct is for people that can't afford to go to a professional and get like a professional orthodontist and get treated properly. What's the um, the response to that? Yeah, it's just it's just not true. You know, I think if you look at the noise that's been out there historically, that's certainly been the knock that's on the brand is that we, you know, we don't provide great clinical outcomes and it's only for people that can't that can't afford it. And I think the reality is it's not true. We provide a very safe and effective product. You can you know, go to our go to our site and 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 look at the incredible before and after pictures that we have and you know, read the reviews, uh, look at the incredible reviews that we have and the high net promoter scores that we have. And uh, there's actually a great clinical study as well. There's there's a clinical study that's out there from 2019 that demonstrates the, the clinical safety and effectiveness of our product. So, uh, you know, simply not true. I think that's been a lot of the noise historically that's been out there. And, and if you think about it, you know, anytime you disrupt a category, it takes it takes time for people to understand uh, you know, the business and, and the opportunity. And our business is is very, very complex, uh, you know, underneath. So it does take time for people to, to understand and, and appreciate it. But I think when they do, you know, they realize what an incredible opportunity that we have. And, and um, you know, like I said before, just getting started in that. Got it. No, God, I mean, that's, listen, I mean, everyone has their, every, I guess everyone just like noses, everyone has ideas or opinions. Right. And so... Yeah. Look, I think if you look at those, right, but the, the knock historically that people may have had, there, there's been questions around the regulatory environment, as an example. Well, I think we've proven over the years that we're in a great spot on the regulatory side and, and the business has been operating now for six years with, with obviously very great success. And, you know, COVID has only accelerated that. The, the broad acceptance of telehealth and teledentistry has only accelerated as a COVID. So we're in a, you know, a better position now than we've ever been on the regulatory side. If you think about you know, profitability, which has been questioned historically. Obviously, we, we proved that wrong in Q3 of last year. 
If you look at the clinical concerns over teledentistry, I think, again, you know, we just, just spoke a lot about that, but there's a lot of data out there and, and evidence supporting the, the opposite. And, uh, you know, people had concerns over the competitive environment. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the, the barriers to, to success that we've built within this business for our competitors. And it's, it's going to take a lot of time and money and execution for someone to get to where we are today. And same thing, you know, on the balance sheet, there'd be questions over liquidity. You know, we've got 500 million of cash on the balance sheet today. We're in a great spot and executing for the future. So, you know, a lot of those questions we've executed on over time. And I think we've checked those boxes and just need to continue to execute quarter in and quarter out to, to prove that. Yeah. I mean, and, and by the way, I read that one, but I also received many comments like from CM. I went to Smile Direct. I liked my experience. I did this. I got this. So there's a lot of people that are saying, um, the positive things. Now, the last question, I guess, I don't know, it's a marketing question. Any plans to have a celeb promote the product? Yeah, uh, Webcoin, they're asking me to promote it. No. Any plans <laughs> to have uh, uh, like Shaquille or any new celebs promote, promote uh, Smile Directs? Yeah, we do. We've, we've got obviously some some good uh, you know names in the past that we've worked with. We we without disclosing it, we do have some more uh, coming up here in the future. But uh, you, you can just you can disclose it. Yeah, can't too much on that yet. It's just us two, right? More, more to come. Just us in the camera, right? Um, okay. So all right, and um, all right. Anything I didn't ask that you want to add that I I missed out on? No. Look, I'd be love to come back. Appreciate the time and. Uh, like I said, we're, we're uh, you know, excited about the future and, and loving the mission that we're all executing it, on. Thanks for having us. It's a great company that knows how to execute. It's not just an idea. I mean, you're delivering millions of products and you have stores everywhere. And executing to 13 countries and to more is not an easy feat for, I don't care what product it is. Like, right. it's, not, it's just like that. I mean, me being an investor, that's where I don't think you guys get the credit you deserve on that international execute like that's not like you don't that international execution is just like yeah I can't, yeah I can't. 12 countries in two years we've got a handful more coming this year and, and more to come i can't say enough about that i mean that people don't understand how hard that is because right. you know during a global pandemic too it, it it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. Forget everything else. I mean, everything else is great, but 12 countries. And that just means you got the system. And once you have the system, it spreads, it spreads. Right. And that's, you know, you know, that's why you joined the company. This is easy that's for right. you, Kyle. So, all right, Kyle, thank you for coming on. Say hi yeah, to the team you. there. We appreciate it. Hopefully you'll come on again after earnings and uh, have a good rest of the week. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Thank you. All right, guys. That was Kyle for CFO of Smile Direct Club, SDC. Uh, founders are from Michigan. I know them. They're good guys. The good guys, good guys all around. Um, and uh, that's that. And I, you know, listen, I read, I read, you know, some of the comments, um, you know, in the chat that people were asking, um, you know, just some of the questions that you guys wanted me to ask. So I did that. So hopefully um, you guys, you know, were happy with those and there you go. So we'll have more guests. Now we have a guest. Their stock's up like 40% today. So um, we'll get them out in one second. It is Wise Key. Uh, symbol is, uh, we got the symbol, Wise Key, W-K-E-Y. So let me get my little intro music going. And here we Hey, we're here. We're live. We got Carlos. Carlos Morea. Is that how we pronounce it? 
That's perfect. Very good. Uh, all right. Where are you based out of, Carlos? I am based in Geneva, Switzerland. Where did you say? Geneva, Switzerland. Okay. The audio is a little spotty. Maybe it's just my, me. Let me check one setting. Okay. Well, let's see what we got. All right. So a lot of news with you guys. So WiseKey, W-K-E-Y. Uh, we got a market cap, $127 million. Maybe that's a little off. But I saw the news on the first ever secure luxury non-fungible token NFT um, in our Benzinga Pro. What can you say about that, Carlos? So Wiseki is a sovereign security company. Uh, we have uh, microchips that we are embedding into objects. So this is uh, drones, cars, and luxury products. So we have done that for many years. Uh, in Switzerland, as you know, we produce uh, 35 million of very high-end luxury products. These products uh, needs now to be digitalized. So what we are doing is just uh, creating an identity, which is a unique identity of those objects. And that identity creates a, a digital twin, which is the one that you combine with the uh, non-fungible token. So the identity is unique. That means that you cannot replicate you cannot just copy, you know, which is one of the problems uh, this technology is having is the fact that you can replicate and copy and then the person that is buying the token gets a copy and not the original. So establishing a relation between the object, the original object and its NFT, it's essential. And this is the breakthrough. Wiseki has developed this technology for many, many years. And now because people are realizing that the interconnectiveness between the object and its digital twin, it's important, the company is booming. I mean, this is becoming like the business model of the internet of things that we have been doing for many years. I'm here, I'm here. I just went off the screen for a second. So you, 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 have you been working on this part of it for a while or how long have you worked on th th this announcement, this part? So, so the, the back end of the technology has been there for many, many years, so, which is the identity that you put inside objects. So imagine luxury products, imagine uh, jewelry, imagine uh, uh, art, paintings, and watches, right? So this technology in Switzerland was very important because we produce so many watches and luxury products, but we have millions of counterfeiting on those products. So what is new here is the possibility of combining the physical identity that we know very well, and we are market leaders on that. We have 1.6 billion objects already tagged by the Wiseki technology with the capability of creating a non-fungible token. This is what is new. This is only about a month new. Uh, we have been testing the technology. We, 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 we thought that it was great and breakthrough. We never expected to be what it is now, which is uh, attracting so much investing money to the company and attention. And it's because it's one of the concrete applications on NFT. There's a lot of hype around. It's a lot of people telling anything about it just because they want to get exposure. This is a very mature technology. Wiseki is a cybersecurity company as a DNA. So we do security for citizens' identity, we do security for transactions, payments, we do security for connected cars, we put chips into drones like Parrot uses our technology for drones. So this very mature technology is now being injected into, into the blockchain. So we use the blockchain as a way to certify and identify the, uh, the identity of the object in a decentralized way. And now with the NFT technology, we can now monetize that identity. So uh, your virtual 
digital twin now has a value. If I buy your uh, piece of art or your collection watch, which is what we just announced today, then we're going to be next week uh, announcing and launching one of the, it's going to be actually the, the first ever auction of a very expensive watch, which is a Swiss watch, and we will disclose that next week. And that watch will have its digital twin on a uh, ocean, the open sea uh, NFT marketplace, and people will be able to auction, to enter into the auction using their cryptocurrencies and participate into the creation of the value for that digital twin. So this is a, a breakthrough because it basically lets the entire economy of uh, very expensive objects to, to have now uh, a business model. Imagine you, if you own paintings, if you own watches, maybe they are in your house, maybe they are in your safe, but they are dead assets. You, you cannot monetize them. The only thing you can do is sell it then, right? Now with this technology, you can keep the original and monetize the digital twin, the NFT of that original. And what is amazing is the market is reacting. It's actually what I call the next generation internet because it brings a business model to this crypto world that we didn't know first how to monetize. There has been a lot of hype about blockchain, about everything goes around, but the, the business model was missing. So this technology as the business model was gonna be a $2 trillion economy. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's a lot. So I, so at first, that's, that's a lot. So there's a lot of different things we just want you went over. So I want to go into it a little bit more, a little deeper, but this right here that I'm looking at, um, is this, is this the, the, where the auction is taking place? Exactly. So this auction, the, the watch is going to be announced next week. This is, uh, this is just to announce the auction. It's going to be an ultra luxury, uh, watch, uh, Swiss made. Uh, which is owned by a very prestigious uh, brand. And, and this is going to be uh, the non-fungible token is going to be uh, created. So the watch has its equivalent into the marketplace. The marketplace we are using is um, OpenSea, which is the largest today. It's a totally transactional uh, marketplace. Wait, and inside that market... Wait, this is the marketplace? This wise? What's, what, what's the marketplace yeah, using? Open, open C. Open C. Okay, Open C. All right, all yeah, right. Open C is the marketplace. All right. So the watch will be available in Open C. As we did it last week, we did it with art. We just uh, put some art pieces in, a, in an Open C trusted area. The Open C doesn't need any more to validate the object. That's what Wiseki does. So, so we, we create a digital certificate for every object that goes into the uh, marketplace. And inside the certificate, you put all the information related to the watch, like origin, the brand, the serial number, the, um, the um, definitions of the color, what is diamond, no diamonds. All that information goes into the digital certificate. The digital certificate is then um, converted into a non-fungible uh, token, and the non-fungible token becomes the digital representation of that object on the internet. So uh, objects, you cannot, if you have a watch, you cannot uh, monetize your watch. You have to sell the watch, but uh, that's it. That's the only thing you can do here. You can uh, create a digital asset for something that you own physically. So imagine in the future, you will be able to do that with a collection, like a sport car. You do that even with real estate. You can do that with uh, any object of value that can be then become uh, a token. And Wiseki has a pattern on that. You know, the, uh, the Wiseki strategic position into this 
This is the first cybersecurity company that enters into this space, and we have the track record to solve very complex cybersecurity problems. But this is not like when a startup just launching an NFT. This is a company that has technology and infrastructure to be able to become the Amazon on NFT on the future, right? Okay, the Amazon of NFT, that's a big statement, but could be true. When you say you have a patent, is it a patent that's granted, pending? What kind of patent? Granted. This, this patent is granted in the United States and many places in the world, which is the patent that allows the certification and security of an object, so the establishment of an identity at the object level. So that patent uh, was actually granted uh, in 2014 already, so can you imagine? And, and, and at the beginning, that patent was merely for physical objects. Now we are extending the reach of that patent to cover also the, the virtual objects, the, uh, the, the non- you, you can just extend, you can extend the reach of the patent or do you have to resubmit? No, no, the patent is, is, is the base patent, the class patent. What you do is you develop technology on the top of the patent that, that allows you to expand now to the micropayments on the NFT of that specific object. So while uh, the patent is you, the, uh, the talk, we don't need to, uh, you cannot patent blockchain technology. It's impossible to patent either. You want to do that. What is the point to do it, right? But um, you want to protect the asset itself. So if you tomorrow, a art gallery says, I want to put a digital certificate in my paintings because I am a museum and I want to uh, issue a, a non-fungible <clears throat> token on my painting. In that case, you will need to talk to Weisky because Weisky has that asset, right? Got it, got it. Okay, and then someone asked this question. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, can you can you certify the location the NFT or token was born? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can you, you start always at the object level, right? Uh, so if it is a digital object, we will insert a digital certificate. But the problem we are solving here is with a physical object. It's a watch. It's a painting. It is a, a physical asset that is unique that has some uh, provenance certificate. You can already see from where that object was done or created. And with that provenance, you're gonna create a certificate, a digital certificate, which is gonna be inserted physically with a microchip into the object. And then when you when you read that with the uh, mobile phone or an NFC device, and there's a demo on the internet of that, which is circulating, you're gonna create the digital twin. So imagine you have a watch, this watch is yours, you don't wanna sell it, it's an important watch, but you don't mind to have the digital version of that watch uh, in a in a in a token in a tokenized uh, platform, so the platform can create value for something that you want to still to own. So there are two models: the models are where you own the watch and you sell the uh, NFT, uh, and 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 the token becomes the uh, digital twin, or the model that you sell both. I mean, this is the kind, this is the platform that decides with the person what type of auction you want to run on it. But the possibilities are endless. You know, the internet is going to connect 30 trillion objects to the internet. We have already something like one trillion objects. So everything is going to be connected to the internet. So everything that connects to the internet needs an identity, needs a microchip, and needs a communication channel. And that's what WiseKey provides, right? IoT is one of the fastest growing uh, segments on the internet. With this technology, you have one extension where it was already very big because suddenly, you can create an equivalent environment in the virtual world by combining a physical a a a asset with a, a tokenized asset. And, and that's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough. And uh, I think the, the future is going to be um, great for right. companies that invest in this technology.
Okay, I want to go to the, the financials a little bit, okay? So just a little bit of financials. Sorry if that's boring, people that want to talk NFTs, but um, financials. In 2017, we're at 33 million. 2018, 34 million. 2019, there was a little drop. Was that an acquisition or what was that one? Or is that not? No, the, your, okay, we, we, saw, we saw some of our technology or identity technology to uh, DigiCert, you know, the uh, very yep. big American company. So DigiCert acquired uh, one of the uh, identity technology we had in Europe for, because in Europe you need to be European compliance with EIDAS and uh, GDPR. So we sold to uh, DigiCert uh, that technology and the revenue associated with that technology, which was around $25 million uh against against uh, i mean this is disclosure because we, it was disclosed against 45 million dollar uh, cash that was then invested into actually the technology we are showing today you know so for us it was a way to diversify our technology from just being an identity uh, company iot company to enter into more blockchain related activities and this was the investment we invest something like 55 million dollar into into that and this is what allows now today to have a very powerful platform yeah got it now so what what will two thousand what is this year shaping up to be i mean we had corona what is this one shaping out to be we didn't disclose yet yeah the financials is going to be uh, in in a uh, few days uh, so i will i will not discuss that because we are still in the audit process but but we did an acquisition uh, at the beginning of this year which was arago Arago is an artificial intelligence company. It's one of the leading companies in Germany. Uh, KKR invested $55 million in Arago uh, really? in 2014. Yeah. And, 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 and now Arago has been acquired by Wiseki. And why we acquire Arago is because we produce a lot of data. All these identities and microchips are sending data to our clouds. And now with artificial intelligence, you can analyze the data, you can provide pronostics on the data, you can provide automation process uh, because we have a hero, which is a, an automation algorithm. Uh, so, so it allows YSKI to, to be a platform. I mean, the vision, I mean, we are a Swiss company, right? We are not yet uh, fully in the United States. So the revenues you see there is still for an European Based company in Switzerland. Wiseki obviously is now entering big time in the United States, and this revenue will become much bigger because the market is, is, is phenomenal, right? But in the United States, we have very good reference. For instance, Cisco is using our, our, our microchips to secure their routers, you know? So uh, that's one example. Parrot is using our microchips to secure their drones. Uh, we have Daimler cars using our microchips to secure their cars. So this is uh, this is expanding. What is new here, and I insist on that because I think it's an amazing business model, is the possibility of combining this huge amount of physical asset certification we have with this digital twin. That is a breakthrough on the business model of the company. So we are moving from selling technology to selling services, right? And this is uh, selling cyber security as a service, IoT as a service, and that's a breakthrough. But so, uh, we will be unleashing the potential of AI. For instance, for a moment, we are not uh, getting revenue on on the AI itself, uh, very little, you know, because the, uh, AI requires data. But the potential of monetizing the data we have is endless, right? Because we have a lot of data. It's, so it's, you will see that reflected in the revenue in 2021 onward. That's that's good to hear. So what what I'm two I guess two questions. One, it seems to me that you're way ahead on a lot of this stuff versus what else is out there. 
that like that yeah. it seems to me you have an early mover advantage because you've been around that's what it seems to me and the stuff the stuff you're doing that's I, i'm assuming that part is right the second thing i would like to know if that's wrong you can tell me the second thing i would like to know is what risks are there like what are things that keep you up at night potentially I mean, the, the first question is, is that exactly what it is? I mean, uh, and this is typical on European companies and they have huge amount of IP, but the market is small, so it takes longer to monetize this IP. Once they enter into the United States and they do an IPO, which is something we might do in the future because we only did an ADR2 on the NASDAQ, so we can do it still uh, something bigger, then, then the company valuation starts to, to grow. We're also trading at five, six times revenue, whether our competitors are trading at 60 times revenue, even if you see the, the, the stock going up like, like crazy. Why do you think that is? Because we are not American, because we are Swiss. I mean, Switzerland, we are 8 million people country, right? And we are listed in the Swiss Stock Exchange, which is very tiny. And the only thing we have is an ADR in the U.S. So now, because the volumes are getting very big on, on the NASDAQ, you know, now we are suddenly trading millions of ADRs per day. So that is creating the momentum for us to move into the U.S. and maybe a company much bigger. But but we are unique. I mean, there is no, comp there is no direct competitor to WiseKey. I mean, they are competitor in small things that we do, but not in the platform effect. What can go wrong? What is going to be wrong? I mean, it's always how you make the next step. You know, the company is growing. So it's, it's exponentially growing now. And, and we need to focus. We cannot do so many things. In Europe, we have a tendency to solve many problems. Where you are, where you go into the United States, you have to be more focused in which are the areas you want to invest and you want to position your company. And that's why our cybersecurity DNA is now being focused in solving problems like the one we just described with the, uh, with the blockchain technology. And I think this is where we're going to stay. Blockchain is going to basically disrupt the entire uh, legacy systems, you know? And if you combine blockchain with cybersecurity and AI, which is the assets that we have, and then you have also the capability we have to control the microchips, then you're in a very strong position to capture the market. So, you know, we could become the next, as I said before, Amazon in what concerns the uh, the trading of the NFTs, because that is going to be the case. But, uh, you know, companies like Palantir and others are trading at 60 times revenue. Uh, I mean, we should be getting at least, you know, 20% of that, that would be already amazing, you know? So um, huge potential in the future. Yeah, so, the mar so, there, so there's a... Uh there's a market recognition thing where not everyone you're you're sweat not everyone knows you guys yet so there's an opportunity and this fungible token auction um next week is a pretty big deal i mean no one's been doing that as of now like that's uh relatively new and no one's no one's done that what you're doing next week that's going to be a world first especially when we will disclose the brand and the uh the, the uniqueness of this uh, operation so uh, that will be our world first, that you will see for first time ever a physical watch with a very high price that is going to be um, made available uh, into a, um, a platform and the uh, investors will be able to buy the watch through the platform through a non-fungible token NFT um, uh, transaction. And, uh, you know, this anything could happen. You know, the watch itself is unique. So once we disclose the characteristics of the watch, everybody will understand. The platform is unique as well because Open uh, uh, OpenSea is booming as well. They're getting a huge amount of investors and uh, and backing up because this was one of the first uh, trading platforms. That's what I mentioned before, the Amazon, because they are really the place where you go now and buy NFT. 
And if we reinforce that with cybersecurity, identity management, cryptographic keys, and everything that was key produced, we create a very high area inside that platform for objects that they are unique objects, objects that you need a higher level of protection, a higher level of security, because if somebody copies that object, obviously there will be a, 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 a major problem. So that, that is what WiseKey brings. And, one and that's the, gonna happen the 31st of The 31st, March. March 31st, guys. That's for the auction, the link I, I provided earlier. Aaron Bree, put the, uh, the link to the auction, please, in the chat. One of the things that you mentioned already, you bought one of your competitors, a KKR funded company, how long, am I correct on that? Yeah, correct. Yeah, how long did that take from idea to buy it to like closing that deal? I mean, I always find it fascinating, public companies buying other companies. I know execution and closing those deals can be difficult and still ex execute. How did you guys do that? And like, how long did that take from uh, start to finish? I mean, it depends from where you start. So we were lucky that uh, I started discussing with the founder of this company, Chris Voss, which was the uh, majority shareholder of the company. And um, his vision and my vision to integrate data, cybersecurity and AI uh, was the same. Uh, so it was a meet of minds where we say, OK, it makes more sense to be together because we are complementary to each other and we can monetize the value much in, in many more multiples. It took something like a year uh, of negotiation. I mean, that was during the COVID period. So a lot of Zooms, a lot of calls, uh, but that's normally the time it takes from the, from, from the day you, you start to uh, figure out what you want to do to the closing. We have made three acquisitions uh, in, in Europe, uh, strategic acquisitions. So we are getting good at that now. And this is a bit the, the vision we have is consolidation. I mean, th th this space is very fractionate. You have companies doing pieces, but in order to make the next very big company, you need to be a platform, not only a company with a product. You need to have a platform effect on the internet so you can create your ecosystem. And as a platform, you can integrate many other small innovation into the platform. The future, the what we call the uh, fourth industrial revolution, right, of industry four, is a future where companies like uh, Daimler, BMW, Tesla, others, they want to plug into platforms and they offer their end-to-end uh, services on, on digitalization and digital transformation services. So automation is going to be massive. And this is one of the things we do as well. And by the way, with the autonomous uh, deployment in the United States, with all these uh, driverless car and driverless drones and taxis and more automation, more autonomous vehicles and things like that you're going to have, more automation you need as a company in order to sustain that, right? You cannot do an autonomous play if your own company has not been properly automated. So um, that's what we provide, right? And this is uh, this is what Arago is, and Arago has telcos, has uh, banks, institutions working with them. And now they are a wise key company. So we are very happy to have an AI player. All right, so two, two, more, two more questions. How much like does management um you know have of the stock are you guys buying more shares like how, how do you guys look at that i know it's adr here but how does uh um you know that how does uh management pair with this thing like how do you guys, I mean, you guys invest more like are you guys big owners of the stock yeah we are actually uh we i am the founder of the company so uh i am the largest shareholder now with the founder of arago because obviously arago also entering into the capital they have an important say on the company 
but 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 we have we are the typical European company where you have something like uh, you know seventy thousand shareholders. There are pension funds. It's the traditional banks, investment banks, the traditional ecosystem here. This is going to be obviously disrupted once we move into the United States. And if we do an IPO, that, that you will then have uh, more institutional shareholders. And that's actually what we are doing. We are starting a non-DR roadshow in the United States. So as you say, we are not yet well known as a brand. Um, and we are not only uh, on the NF NFT, right? We are many other things. So we need yep. to position the company properly. So we are not just a play that will disappear in two weeks time once the uh, NF NFT will not be a bus anymore, right? So we are much more profound than that. And this is the, uh, this is the entire endeavor now. Yeah, and what you're saying is you have staying power. It's not just an NFT, a fungible token play. It's a security play. What you're looking at is more of a Palantir play because you have those three or four different platforms. Um, exactly. Yeah, and so it's more of a Palantir play than just the fungible. Now, I guess on in that regard, how many people work at your company? We are 300, 300 people. Wow, and wow. You, yeah. have three, you have 300 people there? Yeah, we are 70 in France. We are 100 in Germany. We are 50 in Geneva, and we are 40 people in, in Vietnam growing very fast as well. And we have then joint ventures, one in Saudi Arabia, uh, where Saudi Arabia is a very, very big market because they are doing the, uh, the uh, th 2030 plan. They are building smart cities. They need a lot of sensors, a lot of chips, a lot of this technology. And we have also a joint venture in India. So those joint ventures, they are being created because... Cybersecurity is not global. You need to localize sometimes with joint ventures in countries in order to be interoperable with the country. But are, are those 300, are those like full time with you or like the, a lot of those contractors? Are they like their wise key employees? Yeah, wise key employees. I mean, wise key employees plus Arago employees, you know, because Arago just entered into the uh, into the, uh, the organization. Yeah. OK, La last question. I don't know if this is a thing, but. COVID-19, do you have something that you guys are doing on that front? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the digital identity of WiseKey is for the object, but it's also for the person. So we have an app with the name WiseID, that is on Apple, iTunes, Android, WiseID, like WiseID. And that app issues a unique identity for the person. So the vision of WiseKey, that your identity is not a Facebook identity or a Google identity, your identity is something that you should own and should be under your control. And that identity then is associated with your consent, which is uh, done through the uh, integration of identity technology and blockchain. So you can, for instance, uh, provide consent to people to access your data, but you are the one that provide that consent, nobody for you. So this, this, this design has been used in the COVID uh, fight because uh, in Europe, you need to... Uh, authenticate the person first, so you need an identity for the person, and you don't want the government to own that identity, that identity should be yours. You need an identity to certify that the COVID test was actually a real COVID test, or the vaccination test was actually a real vaccination test and not a counterfeited or a copy. And when you do that, you associate this identity with that certificate into one wallet, one encrypted wallet, which is under your control. So if you go to an airport or you're boarding a plane or you're going to holiday, actually, we just announced uh, a few days ago, the government of Seychelles just uh, signed with us. So it's wise keep providing the entire identity for the entire country and also for passengers going into the country. So if you are travel as a tourist, 
the uh, Seychelles now is asking you to prove that you have a vaccination certificate and you have a COVID or a COVID test certificate. And they want to be sure that this is you, so it's associated with your identity. So Wiseki has this technology, and we have been helping uh, international organizations like IATA. I don't know if you know them. They are the International Airline Traffic Organization. This is the standard body for all the uh, airline traffic to develop a standard so we can start to move, right? Because without this technology, we're going to be locked uh, for a long time. I mean, maybe we can go outside our house, but before we start to um, regain international travel, we need to have a method that allows you to prove that you are not infected and you have your vaccine without compromising your data. Because what you don't want is with this excuse to let governments or, or organizations to data mine on your data. So this is the core technology for Wisecube. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Anything that I missed that you want to quickly say before I missed? I asked, I mean, we had hundreds, hundreds of questions. I asked, mo I asked about 30 of them. Any thing that I missed that you want to say before you head off and get back to work? Well, just because the focus is now on non-fungible talking, just to say that Wiseki is going to be a showing progress report into that during the next two months. This is going to be uh, because this is very hot now and there's a huge amount of brands like LVMH, like uh, Sotheby's, like Christie's, and they are figuring out how they're going to enter into this. So Wiseki is going to be very focused on that. But as I said before, this is not the only thing we do. But what we do, and we are Swiss, we want to do it well, right? Yep. We, are very, we are very precise on our technology. So um, the learning curve that we are getting from this new technology is going to help us to influence the next business model on the internet, which is, sh which is shifting, right? The business model on the internet is shifting from the analog world to the digital and now to the talking world. And, and this is a very important... Although people think that the uh, NFTs is only blah blah and 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 and, uh, and buzz, is it's not really. It's a it's a revolutionary technology that if it's well integrated in real applications, it can change the way the internet makes money. Yep. And no, that, I mean, and I the Swiss angle makes you guys work harder. You need to be the best. Palantir is U.S. based, and their valuation is trading at. 10x what yours is or whatever you so it's an opportunity for you guys to go out there and prove yourself so we appreciate carlos you coming on uh you know the show today obviously the markets do what they do in the short term you know you're seeing your stock move from 40 percent, 20 percent, whatever it is the short term doesn't mean anything it's where you're going to be in three months six months and me as an investor interviewer i try to buy positions in six months from now a year from now three years from now I mean, I had Tesla for now for eight years and it's, uh, you know, you know the story. So that's what you're looking for. It's not the daily move that you really care about. No, what is important, and I will say that as a conclusion, is that uh, people that they are investing in the traditional first generation of Internet growth, like social media and and all these companies, and then I start 10, $10 trillion dollar economy, uh, then they have a huge problems of the way they, they handle data, the way they issue identity. They should start to look into this new generation of companies like Wisekey. Then they are using their cybersecurity, data protection, protecting individual identity in priority. So we are not monetizing that part. Yep. This is why we have revenue. But in the other side, we are developing new business models, which are going to be the business models of the future. And, and the watch is an example of it. And so anyone that wants to uh, continue making money in the future, they should seriously look at this sector. Yep. No, absolutely. So, all right. Well, thank you again, Car Carlos, for coming on. 
Uh, it sounds like it's just the beginning for you guys. Please come on more often when you have news to break or things you want to share. Come on. Uh, you know, we're here for we're here for the people, by the people. That's what we do. We do it differently, and uh, we're fed into every single brokerage platform. And uh, thank you for coming on. We really we really appreciate it, man. Thank you for the opportunity, and look forward to being in contact. All the all best. Right. All right, all the best, man. Okay, thank you. All right, guys, that was Carlos. You guys know the company, Carlos W K E Y. Great, you know, interview, telling the story. It's 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 a it's a technology company. It's a technology company, and um, it's I mean, it's like he's talking comparing to Palantir. That is, you know, that obviously you guys know Palantir. Um, I mean, you know, um, and I'm, Aaron Thomas won't come in the room. I don't know why trying to now we have another show coming up i'm a little behind for robert roy i'm gonna hand it off to spencer israel in a second but two quick things uh like and subscribe to the channel right now if you want more ceo interviews like and subscribe to the channel if you want to learn more investing you want to learn you know more tricks you want to learn um things i do to hedge my position you want to learn uh talk to these ceos directly i asked i asked the ceos you know direct questions can I ask you guys a question? How was the CEO's audio? Did you guys hear his audio pretty well? Press one and two if no. I think it's a one for you guys. But me here, I don't know what it is when I'm in the office. I hear every other word. So I was doing my best to, to capture everything. But I, I'm in this room. Yeah, you guys, you guys have no idea. I mean, I literally heard every other word and I'm struggling through it. But my guys, you know, they don't want to help me. So I mean, we got a number from that three one three. Did they? Did you? Did you get the pizza for a while? Oh, so what? Who's that? Can you call it? Just take the phone and call it and see who it is. So yeah, I couldn't hear anything, guys. I, you guys heard him talk. I, you guys are giving me questions. I heard like eighty percent of it. So you guys know how that is when you're trying to guess what someone says and get the right thing. Well, that's what I was dealing with, and I'm in the office, so I don't know. But what I would like before we start the show is for you guys to like and subscribe, tell your friends about us, get them out here, and if you know anyone at YouTube. Send them a message. Say, Benzinga, I can't find it when I search live video. I can't find it. I couldn't find us today either. So we did, we have a thousand people here. And then if you don't know about it, Benzinga Pro, subscribe. I'm in the room. Um, I'm in the room. Subscribe in the Benzinga Room Pro chat room. And then last but not least, if you're looking for cool jobs, come to cooljobs at Benzinga.com and tell us how you can impact the outcome here. And we're hiring for all types of roles, but you just have to be known as the biggest badass you know about your, of your friends. So cool jobs at Benzina.com. My Twitter is Jason Rasnick. Thank you for being here. I'm going to pass it off to my pal, friend, colleague, Spencer. It's me. Is real.